Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but we'll showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, all, and welcome to the Future Tech Podcast. I am Alan Thomas, and we are here with Ariel Kahn. Director of Media and Outreach for Future of Life. How you doing, Ariel? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Oh, oh, no problem. Great to have you. Uh, let's just jump in. Uh, tell us about Future of Life. What do you guys do? Right. So we are a nonprofit, um, and essentially our goal is to help minimize um, the risk that we might accidentally destroy ourselves with technology. Um, and instead, we want to figure out how we can use technology to um, create the most beneficial future we can. Uh, and so we look at uh, primarily artificial intelligence. That's where we got started. Um, and we've done a lot of work uh, sort of h- helping to expand the idea that we should try to consider safety issues in advance of developing Uh, artificial intelligence rather than worrying about safety after something bad happens. Um, And then we've also been doing some work with nuclear weapons and the recent uh, ban on nuclear weapons with the United Nations. And we do a little bit with biotechnology and climate change, but not a lot. So really it's, it's about, Kind of, kind of building in the uh, the safety precautions and building in the res- the responsibility of the tech as it's actually being developed. Yeah, yeah, um, and and just sort of recognizing that as we're developing these increasingly powerful technologies, it basically means that we have 
the the power to do something really great, but it also means that we have the power to do something really awful. And so these really powerful technologies actually do put the future of humanity at risk. And and how long has Future of Life been around? So we technically formed in 2014, um, and, but I think it was sort of towards the end, and we really got started in 2015. I joined um, in late 2015. And 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 were you already uh, did you already have nonprofit experience by trade? What or, or or what was it in particular that drew you Future of Life? Um, so I personally have a rather random background. Uh, I, ha- I started out with a degree in English, and I worked in advertising and marketing for a while. And then I went back to school and got a degree in physics and a master's in geophysics. And I studied seismology uh, and earthquakes for a bit. Um, and then I combined those two to do science communication. Um, and so I'd done some work with a couple of the national labs. I'd done some work with universities. And when I saw a posting for this job, it just it seemed like the perfect fit. And as far as the, the organizations that you guys work with, is is it uh, a process where when you first start working with one of these organizations, you kind of go in and see where they are now, like an audit to start things off, and then kind of see how they need to improve, or, or how does that work? So we don't really work with organizations directly like that. Um, our efforts have been more in helping drive conversations uh, within a community so that they begin to consider various issues. Um, so with artificial intelligence, uh, we brought some of the top minds who were studying AI at, uh, at the time. Um, in early 2015, we had held a conference and brought them together. That included people like Elon Musk. Um, and then we developed uh, an open letter uh, in encouraging AI researchers to think about AI safety as they were developing whatever it was they were developing. Um, and so we got thousands of researchers signing that open letter. We've also done work with autonomous weapons well, to, to you know, make sure that uh, AI isn't used to kill people, basically. Um, and so we had an open letter also in 2015 that was signed by, it's been signed by tens of thousands of people. And I want to say it was signed by thousands of AI researchers as well, um, saying essentially that they don't want the technology they're creating to be used to kill people. Um, so that that's sort of more the type of thing we've been doing to sort of help drive the community to to really focus on some of these issues. Oh, so so it's more so like you say it's more of a matter of of you just kind of you, you kind of want to have the widespread idea out there that these are the these are the kind of standards that we want to that everybody should want to hold to almost like a like I guess like a, a self policing kind of thing. We're all agreeing that these are the best types of uses for the technology. Yeah, at the very least, I think that's where we need to start. Um, and uh, we actually, last year, we held another conference um, at the start of 2017. And we, at the conference, the participants worked together to create uh, 23 principles that can be used to safely develop artificial intelligence so that it's beneficial for as many people as possible. Um, and that's been that's also been signed by thousands of people. Um, but I, I think we want to, I guess we see this as a starting point. We don't know exactly what will need to be done to make sure that, you know, safety continues to be a high priority. But at the very least, people needed to recognize that it could be, that if we develop AI badly, it, it could pose a threat. And when we're talking about these 23 principles, what, what mm-hmm. do you think are 
or what is some of the what are some of the difficulties that you guys may have run into in putting together these conferences and bringing these folks to the table to develop these principles? Um, I think one of the biggest issues was just not many people were thinking about artificial intelligence as a threat yet. Um, I mean, up until fairly recently in the last few years, a lot of what we wanted to do with artificial intelligence was still in sort of the sci-fi realm. Like no one, no one really thought we could do it soon. Um, it, it just wasn't, we were so worried about whether or not we could create some of these programs that the idea of worrying about safety, it, it was just too soon. Um, but then in recent years, we've seen a lot of really dramatic developments, um, especially as computing has become more powerful and we've had much bigger data sets to work with. We've been able to make much bigger breakthroughs with artificial intelligence. Um, and so it's at that point that we started to say, okay, now we need to start thinking about, you know, could this go wrong? Can we prevent it from going wrong? What do we need to do to make sure that, you know, everyone's uh, happy with how, how this is developing? So, so when the conference is put together every year, uh, is it, is, I mean, is the discussion usually, does the discussion kind of go in the direction of, okay, these are the changes that have happened with the technology within since in the past year? So this is how we need to revise these principles, or maybe add to. Um, that's not exactly how we've set it up. We've had we've had two conferences so far. Uh, one was in 2015, and one was in 2017. Um, and in both cases, we sort of looked at the landscape and assessed what needed to be done. So in in 2015, there really just wasn't as much consideration of safety as an issue, and so just establishing the idea that we need to consider safety was one of the primary goals of the 2015 conference. Um, and then by 2017, it was much more common for AI researchers to be thinking about safety as an issue. There were a lot of uh, different conferences that were, at least they had sessions that were talking about AI safety and um, a, a lot of different groups were, were thinking about it. And so we wanted to take it the next step further. Like now that we're thinking about safety, what does it actually mean to create artificial intelligence that is safe and beneficial? What are the steps we need to take to make sure that happens? What are the steps we need to make sure we avoid? Things like that. Um, yeah. So do you think that there are particular projects that, that came about that, that maybe increased everybody's desire to be aware of AI safety? Like once, once, XYZ company got to this point or that point is really made people start to think about it more. I definitely think DeepMind's um, success with AlphaGo uh, got people thinking a lot. Um, I've gotten the impression that people were surprised by um, Google's ability to translate languages improving so dramatically so quickly. Um, so I think I think there's sort of been a, a few things happening all at once that that have helped. Um, you know, we've 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 made a strong effort to um, in, include AI safety at various conferences early on, um, and then with the the rapid advancements that we've seen in recent years, uh, I, I think that sort of helped people consider this an issue. And, and as far as future of life itself, what is what does the roadmap look like for you guys over the next year or two? Like, what is, what is, like, where, where is it you guys are trying to go? Um, so we're trying to work on quite a few things. Um, I'm actually going to step back uh, 
to last year and, and mention a couple things that happened because they're sort of relevant towards what we're working on. Um, one of those, I, I mentioned uh, an autonomous weapons open letter. and We've been trying to do more um, to get people thinking about the risk that autonomous weapons could pose if they're being used to uh, take a, a human life. And this is something that's currently being discussed at the United Nations as well. And so last year, we put together a video called Slaughterbots, which if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend. Um, it's been, it was very popular last year. We were really happy with that. Um, and the, the goal there was to sort of help convince the, the public and the United Nations that we need a ban on lethal autonomous weapon systems. Um, and so we worked with Stuart Russell, who's a leading AI researcher, to put this together. And um, as I mentioned, it was it was very well received. And so now this year, one of the things we're doing is trying to figure out what else we can do to help spread this idea that uh, lethal autonomous weapons should not be allowed in warfare. Um, we, so my boss, Max Tegmark, also wrote a book last year that was very successful, and that was called Life 3.0 being human in the age of artificial intelligence. And that is something that I highly recommend people read if they want to learn more about what the impact of artificial intelligence could be. And, and you know, continuing this idea of how can we design it so that it's beneficial for as many people as possible. Um, so those are so the, a couple of the big uh, oh. things. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I, I was... Well, we also, uh, continuing with the AI safety theme, we... In, in 2015, after that first conference, we um, held a grants competition and awarded 37 grants to various AI researchers to look at different problems related to AI safety. And we have another grant round that the, the first round is already, um, we've gone through that process, uh, and so now we're narrowing down who the final uh, recipients of the grant might be. And, and when you mentioned the... Uh the video about the autonomous weapons. Uh, mm -hmm. You said it's called Slaughterbot, right? Yes. I mean, do you, uh, do you think? Uh, and this might be a this might be a. I'm I'm assuming that the autonomous weapons were being developed for military use, or uh, or was this a case of let's let's see if we can make this happen, or do you think, or was it specifically for military use first? Do you think they were being developed for? So the video is a fictitious uh, representation of what we think could happen. And it, it portrays um, basically swarms of drones that have the capability to kill an individual person. Um, and there are many, they, they fit in the palm of your hand. And so you can deploy, you know, hundreds of thousands of them at a time uh, around to target, you know, a school or a university or um, some, you know, government building or, you know, whoever you want, basically. Um, in the video, I think we, I think we imply that it's probably government and military driven initially, but that these weapons manage to get into the hands of terrorists and other groups who wish to do harm. And, 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 and one of the important things with the video is that most of this technology exists today. It just hasn't been brought together into these little drones yet. And I know you said the, the the video is pretty popular. Are there so are, are there are there plans to do another video similar to that, or or a video about maybe a different angle of it? Or uh, no plans right now. It, it would be great if we could, but nothing nothing's in the works right now. 
Got it. Got it. And the and and I know you you mentioned the uh, grants that are going to the AI, re- you know, for of course the AI researchers. Um, mm-hmm. I know you said it, it's close to being awarded. Not quite yet. So our first round went out to 37 uh, grant recipients, and you can actually read about a lot of the work that they've been doing. We've been trying to write articles about each individual researcher's uh, project. Um, and I, if I, I can share the link now, or is it easier to link from a web page? Oh, oh, you can also share the link now, and we'll just we'll just do okay. that too. Okay. Um, yeah. So it's futureoflife.org slash AI dash D dash research. And that will give you lots of information about the first round of grants. Um, and then just sort of an upcoming project that we have is this next round of grants. We don't have anything really uh, available about that yet. Oh, okay. So it's something for us to look at. Yeah, exactly. And so in, in terms of the organization itself, Future of Life, what's the the big takeaways that you want our listeners to get about your organization? What should they really kind of walk away from this interview? Um, I think the biggest thing that I would like listeners to walk away with is this idea that AI could very likely have a huge, huge impact on our future, very likely while we're still alive. And we need to be educating ourselves about what that impact could be and what we, what we want the future to look like. I don't think enough people are really considering what they want the future to look like or recognizing that their voice actually does matter in shaping what that future will be. Um, and, and I would like to have more people considering that. Um, and I mentioned, I mentioned Max's book a minute ago. I would, I would recommend that as a good place to start if you, if you want to learn more about what the future could be like. And, and that is Life 3.0, correct? Yep, Life 3.0, Being Human in the Age of Artificial Intelligence by Max Tegmark. Okay, great. And the best way for everybody to kind of engage with, with, with you guys is through the main website? Yeah, yeah. We try to uh, we try to keep everything on the website. Um, we try to keep it updated with all of our latest activities. Um, we, we are also on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, I think we're FLI X-Risk on Twitter, probably something. I should know this on Facebook, too. <laughs> Uh, oh, we're just Future of Life Institute on Facebook. <laughs> okay, great. Well, again, Ariel, thank you for coming onto the podcast and giving us this great information, and, and we appreciate your time. All right. Thanks so much for having me. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, 
how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.